Our Heavenly Father, we pray that as we reflect upon these words that Matthew the Evangelist puts before us, we might see the Lord Jesus and rejoice in him. Father, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. A very well-known atheist was rushing down the street uh, towards the field. Uh, One of his friends saw him rushing and said, where are you off to in such a hurry? And he said, I'm off to hear the evangelist George Whitfield. He said, but you don't believe in God. He said, I know, but he does, and I love to listen to him. Uh, There was a backpacker from Adelaide who was in Hong Kong. Uh, She had travelled through Asia and was towards the end of her money and thought, now, what can I do that doesn't cost anything? Uh, I know, I can go to church. And so she went off to church that night. Uh, When I was in my 20s or so, uh, I can remember always being interested in what went on down at the Domain. So I would go down there and listen to all of those people who got up on their soapboxes and talked and talked and talked. When people gather to hear someone speak, you don't really know what's going on through their minds. You don't know why they're there. They might be there uh, just because, like Whitfield, he was a great orator. Man had no interest in his, what he had to say. He just wanted to see his style. Uh, and similarly for me, I might say, not too much interest in what was going on when I heard the, the speakers down uh, in the domain. Well, when Jesus spoke, it was like that. There were many people came just to see what's going on around the place. You know, what's he doing? <laughs> What's he got to say? What's happening here? And so they joined the crowd. In fact, the crowds got so big that on this particular occasion, they had to stand on the shore and Jesus got in the boat and sat to speak to this great crowd, it says. Uh, I sometimes think to myself, I wonder just how powerful his voice was. You try sitting and speaking really loudly. (laughs) Try standing and speaking loudly. He must have had a very powerful voice, but it really wasn't in what was his style that Jesus was interested in. It was what he had to say. Now, again, there's a bit of a mystery here. We see in verses 1 to 9 that he just kept on telling stories or parables or dark sayings or mysteries or secrets. And we know that even the disciples couldn't remember some of them or what they meant anyway because we've got the parables but we haven't got the meanings in some of them. So why was he talking like that? Well, come next week and you'll find out. But anyway, there were mysteries. When he he got into the uh, house, however, he told the disciples 
what they meant. It says in verse 10, when the, then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Now, my job is to skip that difficult passage and to go on to the meaning of the parables and the parable of the sower. Here's my first point. I've got three points, really. The first one is, let's not be foolish in our response to Christ. Jesus spoke of four types of soils or four types of heart that were listening to him. The first one, verse 4, was an unresponsive heart. Verse 4, as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. That's what he said in the parable. This is what he says in the interpretation, verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, Satan, comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. When I went down to the domain, I was fascinated. There was one fellow who really was able to draw everybody to himself. Uh, There were others who had soapboxes and they were standing up and they had two, three and a dog or something about that and that was it. And as he was speaking, I thought, oh, what's he saying? I don't understand what he's talking about here. And then he'd say to them, you can't go away, can you? Because you love me. You won't, you won't dare leave me. And they say, we can leave you any... No, you can't. Go on, what? Leave, just in case. And I thought, this is an extraordinary thing. And so it captured me, but I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. And it does, I can't remember a thing he said now, except that. Well, there were some people who just like to see what's going on. And especially sometimes if you've got a very gifted preacher, what's going on in the church? Unresponsive heart. Here's the second one. The impulsive heart. Well, verses 5 and 6, we have this. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where there's not much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. And the interpretation in verse 20 and 21 goes like this. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. When I was the assistant minister as a young man at St Stephen's Willoughby, I can remember preaching on one Sunday and a young man, a grave digger actually, came up to me afterwards and said, I was really interested in what you were saying. Please explain it to me. So I thought, oh, this is great. So I explained it to him and so on. And I said, look, I'll give you a New Testament and I'll underline some words and you might like to go away and just look at this. He said, okay. Next Sunday, there he was back again. 
He read the whole of the New Testament and underlined all the way through. So I spoke and explained and explained and explained. Next Sunday, couldn't see him. Never saw him again. What? What's going on? Well, if I'd listened carefully to what Jesus said, there are some people who are incredibly taken by it and then it just falls away for some reason or other. Well, then there was a third, what I called the preoccupied heart. Uh, Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Mm -hmm. And the interpretation, verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is how you hear the word, but the cares of the world and the delight in riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. There are people who really seriously are impressed by the word of God. However, they just, for some reason or other, can't wreck round to doing it. They will do it after they've solved this problem or that problem or that problem or after they've pursued this particular interest which is really very impressive and impressive at the same time. And so they leave it because other things just choke them out. Well, the excitements of this world and the cares of this world can get us down, can't they? And we can find ourselves being overtaken by those things rather than giving priority to hearing what the Word says. Oh, and then there is the responsive heart. Uh, All those with hearing difficulties uh, listen particularly to verse 9. Here's verse 8 and 9. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. You got ears to hear? Listen. Hear. Well, as and then, then the interpretation, verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word and understands it, he indeed bear fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty and another thirty. That backpacker, young woman, who ended up in Hong Kong without money. The reason she had gone into Asia was to look for purpose in the world and had actually joined an ashram in India. When she went to Kowloon, to the church there, the minister had preached, then spent a long time afterwards explaining the gospel to her. They then rang rang the church I was at in Adelaide and said, Maggie, who has come, 
look out for her. We've told her to go to your church and you might be able to pick up on her. I suppose after about three or four years, Maggie uh, knocked on my office door, then came rushing in and then sat down, flopped in the chair and said, I want to be a missionary there. I've said it, I can't get out of it. She has served for 30 years now in a wonderful way. Uh, First of all, she went to Zaire, uh, then she went to Ethiopia looking after uh, street kids and now she's in Cambodia trying to get young women out of exploitation and the slave trade. Now, that was one of those situations where the word just absolutely took hold of Maggie. Well, how do we bear fruit? I mean, that's the real question I want to try and answer. Uh, You're not here, really, I'm sure. You're probably in either the preoccupied heart or the responsive heart uh, area. Well, my desire is I want to bear fruit. How do I go about that? Well, I thought to myself, I wonder how Matthew went about it because he's the one who's telling us. So here's my first point. Let's, like wise Matthew, the wise man built his house on obeying the words of God, let's, like wise Matthew, reflect on the word of the kingdom. Now, what he does is, in Matthew 11:27, he says that Jesus reveals what the Father has told us to the ones he chooses. He obviously chose Matthew as one of the disciples to reveal things. From the Sermon on the Mount, and that's Matthew's 5 to 7, just that, just that word of the kingdom, these are the sorts of things that Matthew was obviously reflecting upon as he heard the Sermon on the Mount. He was reflecting on the fact that our Father is in heaven. I know it's not everybody's experience, but I had a really good father and mother. And it was just great. In fact, the word came back to me that my mother, in her excitement, told people that I was doing three languages at school and that I spoke in algebra. (laughs) Now, I know they were making fun of mum, but... What I knew was she was really proud of me. I tell you, our Father in heaven is really proud of you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his only son to die for you so that you might have forgiveness, for which you pray in the Lord's Prayer, and that you might have your daily bread, for which you pray in the Lord's Prayer. Secondly, he loves us perfectly, the Father in heaven. That is, he sends the rain on the good and the bad. So, we learn from the Sermon on the Mount, we are to be a chip off the old block. That is, we are to be like him. That is, as he loves, we are to love our neighbour, our friends, and also our enemies. 
Or, thirdly, he rewards genuine piety. You want your prayers answered, go into a cupboard, don't let anybody know. We all got in the corner over here. (coughs) Didn't do a very good job, didn't you? I bet you're all saying, what are they doing over there? Well, anyway, when you say your prayers, pray to God, but go in secret. When you fast, if if you do fast, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, that's fine. But do it in secret. Uh, If you're going to be generous to others, do it in secret. Don't tell. It's a little secret between you and me. That is between God and you. You are his father. He is your father. Uh, He feeds and clothes his disciples. When you go for your walks, have a look at the flowers. When you go for your walks, watch the birds. They don't work, they don't worry. Your father feeds the birds and look at the clothes. Well, look at some of the... There used to be a clergyman in, at uh, Willoughby. Uh, every time I'd walk past his house, he'd say, oh, come and have a look at these roses, Reg. Now, look at that. Can you believe that anyone doesn't believe in God? There's got to be a creator. That was Mr Cooper. Mr Cooper and his roses and the creator. Well... Reflect on those things. Let them sink deep into you. Reflect often on those things. And then finally, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, What father of you, if his child asks for a stone, sorry, if his child asks for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. And look, if you're going to give good gifts to your children... I tell you, the Heavenly Father will much more give good gifts to you. Reflect on those things. I was thinking the other day that now as we're coming out of the COVID stuff, we all seem to be getting a little busier. Do you think? I think there are more things for me to do now that I can do and want to do. Well, that's great. Don't give up on the reflecting on the words of God. Don't give up on that. Spend time just ruminating. What does this really mean that God is my Father? What does it mean that he loves me? What does it mean he forgives me? What does it mean he wants me to act like this? Don't stop reflecting. Now, my other one, of course, is our Apostle, the Apostle Paul. Let's, like wise Paul, pray for fruitfulness. Now, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, this is the way he prays for the church. Uh, I actually find this a really helpful prayer to use in my daily prayers for the church. Here it goes. Let me read it to you. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with his might through the inner man by the Spirit. One, two, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have power to um, comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. Keep on praying that you'll understand the love of Christ. Thirdly, 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, I encourage you not only to realise that by becoming a Christian you are sealed with the Spirit, the Spirit is upon you, your, name, your name's written, you belong to God, the seal of the Spirit, but also to keep on praying that you will be filled with this Spirit, that every part of your life will be filled with the Spirit of God. So the three prayers there are basically that you'll be strengthened by the Spirit's might. The second one is that you'll understand the un- uh, unable to be understood love of God. That you'll just keep on plumbing the depths of his love towards you in Christ. Now it's good to see Peter out the front here. Uh, you're back at the gym? Yeah, that's good. Okay. I don't know what he is doing back at his gym, but when I go and look at my gym, I look at all these people, and what they do is they start off with little weights, big weights, and big weights. Why? Because they started with the little weights first. Friends, it's the same spiritually. The more you understand the love of Christ in those early stages, the more you will understand the love of Christ in the later stages. And more and more. It's unfathomable. You know, well, the hymn goes, you know, after 10,000 years, there's more to learn. That's why you've got to spend eternity with God, because you'll never plumb his steps so that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. So, as you have more and more opportunities with everything opening up, don't stop praying. Pray for the Spirit. Pray for fruitfulness. Don't stop reflecting on the Word of God. Keep on reflecting. What does it mean that God is my Father, Christ is my Saviour? Well, I didn't mean to berate you all. I will now pray. I will now pray. Let me pray. Blessed Lord, we thank you and come to you, O Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory may grant us to be strengthened with might through your Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and breadth and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus unto all generations, forever and ever. Amen.